Hello everyone and welcome to our Threshold podcast. We are so happy that you have taken time to join us today and we pray that you will be absolutely encouraged by the plethora of messages and encouraging words that we share here in our church. Threshold is a family of believers based in East Riding of Yorkshire in the wonderful city of Hull and our head pastors are Pastor Deborah and Philip Banda. Be blessed. I'm usually reminded of that story. I know I've told it many times. The story of a man that won two golden tickets on a cruise ship. You know that story? All-inclusive tickets. All-inclusive. And when he turned up and he went for this seven-day cruise and he was, he was, he, he was struggling because it was so opulent. It was so, you know, it was... Awesome, it was luxurious, it was everything, and he had never been there, and he was a poor man. And so he packed his few belongings, packed a bit of his food, and went for this trip. And all the seven days of the trip, he stayed in his cabin. Because when he went out there, he looked and he saw that it was, it, it was too luxurious, he couldn't afford it. He looked at the restaurant and he thought, only rich people can eat here. I'm just lucky that I won two tickets. Until the end of his days. When he's coming down, the captain is shaking people's hands. And, and, uh, and the captain says, how come when your turn came to be at the captain's table, we never saw you? The man says, well, I couldn't afford the dinner and I couldn't afford the meals in the restaurants. I couldn't afford anything. So I stayed in my room and I enjoyed myself in my room eating the little that I had. The captain says, let me see your ticket. When the captain, when he showed the captain his tickets, the captain says, your tickets say it is all inclusive. You could have eaten whatever you wanted. You could have jumped in any swimming pool you wanted. All inclusive. As long as you were on this trip, you could have had whatever food you wanted. But he shortchanged himself. That's what I'm talking about. That picture. Christ has brought us to a place of God's glorious inheritance. And if we are not careful and begin to understand the revelation of where he has brought us, we are like that man. We are in a beautiful place where everything belongs to us, but we are sat in our corner because our mind has not come where we are. It's called a poverty mentality. A poverty mentality is not just to do with money. There is a poverty mentality that has to do with being a child of God. Actually, that's where it is more important. When it comes to being a child of God, you need to have a wealth mentality, not a poverty one. A poverty mentality says, this does not belong to us. A poverty mentality says, I can never reach that. A poverty mentality says, resources are in lack. A poverty mentality does, it never qualifies you for anything. But God has brought you into a place where he says, you are my child, you are mine. I live in you. You can do the things I say you can do. You can operate just like me. But your mind keeps saying, no. Because I'm not educated enough. 
until I make more money, until I have a career that is people can look at, until I drive a shiny car, until until I get my PhD, and that's a poverty mentality. You are there already. Hello. So that's why I am talking. I'm dedicated. I've dedicated the the, the 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 last sermon I shared with you was talking about keys to living in the glory of God, and I'm going to share about three things. Okay, I shared already about learning how to live in this place of glory by prophetic intercession. I thought I should start there because it was important to change the way you are praying. Because if you keep praying like you're not in the glory of God, your mind will never come to that place where you are. So the first thing is to change how you and me are praying. How we are interceding. Our intercession has moved from the place of kneeling down and begging God for an intervention to a place of standing in his presence and declaring his glory. And a few people in the Bible understood that. The book of James tells us about Elijah. He says, Elijah, a man like us, of same passions like us, prayed that there may be no rain. For th- and for three and a half years, there was what? No rain. And he says, and he prayed again, and rain came. And he says, the effective prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man makes more things available. Amen. That's what he said. Fervent prayer of a righteous man. I'm not talking about this today, but I don't know. Let me talk about it a little bit. Righteous man. That's what you need to understand. Righteous man. It has nothing to do with your behavior and everything to do with where you are standing. That is righteous. Righteousness has to do with standing in the right place. Now, where are you standing now? (laughs) You know the scripture that Joy read when she was leading worship? It says, we have come by faith, we have access into this place of grace where we now stand. Huh? Romans 5. We have come into this place where we now stand. That's what your faith has done. When you put your faith in Christ, it is not so much about getting that car or getting that house or getting that uh, spouse or getting... It is not about... It is about coming to stand in the right place. Can you imagine? Like waiting for the bus. You want to catch the bus. And you know the stagecoach driver's They're not so kind. If you don't stand in the right place, they're not going to stop. And it doesn't matter how kind they are anyway. It's against the city bylaws for them to stop anyhow. You got to stand in the right place to get on the bus. Right? That's what righteousness means. God takes you and he has decided the right place is in his presence. In Christ. When you are in Christ, therefore you've become a righteous person. Your prayer makes more things available. Therefore, it is no longer a beggar's prayer. Because beggars do not ask for thousands, they ask for a penny. So it's changed. 
If your prayer is going to make more things available, you take off that poverty mentality, that beggar's mentality, and begin to make more things available. If I meet somebody that says, I have nothing to, to pray for, I have, God has given me everything, they have a poverty mentality. I don't care how much money is in their bank. They can look as rich as they can look, but they have a poverty mentality. Because if you understand, it is about making more available. And as long as the earth exists, there will always be the need to make more available. Oh, yes. There's a need to make more healing available. There is always a need to make resources available. Hello? The funny part is that the richest people, those that are involved in philanthropy, understand that. They understand there is a need to make water available. There is a need to make clean water available to people. There is, a, there is more to make available. And people are trying, okay? I was watching a documentary by the Bill Gates Foundation. And it's a quite an awesome documentary. Uh, why Bill Gates decided I'm going to start using my, my, my brain to solve problems in the world. And get think tanks together and get people together and throw a lot of money at it. And, 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 and right now they're, they're still working on it. They're, they're still trying to solve the toilet sanitation problem. I, know whether you've seen, I don't know whether you've seen it. It's quite an interesting documentary to watch. You know, how they're trying to solve the sanitation problem in some of the poorest regions of the world. Can we have a good toilet without running water? Can we have a toilet that people can use without running water? Because they have discovered that most of these big cities where there are slums and all these like Lagos and all that, it is so hard to introduce retrospectively the whole sewerage system. It's so hard to introduce it now because people have built everywhere and you can, no matter what you do, you cannot bring the sewerage system to that level. So they're now thinking about how do we create a toilet that works in a slum without running water, but not a pit latrine because that's, that's for diseases. That's a lot of diseases happening with pit latrines. And so the, you see a few engineering people come together, they're thinking on how to use ash, how to use, you know, just some, some how to recycle human waste to, uh, it's just amazing some of the stuff going on. That is all human-based effort. But the spirit is to make more things available. Why? Because one guy who is, in terms of money, rightly positioned, in terms of money, realized he can make more things available. Do you understand? That's still according to the flesh. Now, spiritually, if you have come to stand in the presence of the Most High, the Creator of the heavens and earth, then you've got to get your mind to that wealth mentality. How can we make the glory of God available? Hmm. Hello? To take ourselves beyond the poverty mentality of about God, put money in my pocket. God, please, my fridge. God, please. That's a poverty mentality. It's so limiting. There is more to where you have come. And that's why our eyes need to begin to open. 
Do you realize that by your prayer, by my prayer, we can begin to influence and make much, much of God's goodness available on, in this city? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, with the same job that you have, with the same little money that you have, by understanding where you now stand, you can begin to bring influence at a level where the world does not think you can. That's why you don't mess with believers. When we come together in this, in this prayer hub, the things we're doing and making things available, I'm praying and now you begin to hear more churches being uh, established in the city. You begin to hear buildings being made available to churches in the city and we're getting ours as well next year. And, and, and you, begin, you begin to hear all these things. You, you think they're just happening? You begin to hear people getting saved and, and people that were not even interested in Christ all of a sudden begin to get an interest. It, it is God working through us. We make these things available when we stand in His presence and begin to declare them. All that to recap on one simple thing. You have now come into the glory of God. Your prayer life changes. You become a prophetic intercessor. And that's the recap. That's what Ezekiel did in the Valley of Dry Bones. That's exactly what the course that God gave him. The crash course he was given. In the Valley of Dry Bones. I don't know how long it was for. But he was given a quick course on Ezekiel. We now need to get these bones to leave. These people... These same people, Ezekiel, if you change and you begin to prophesy, instead of mourning about them, instead of begging me, if you change Ezekiel, these same people who are saying we are like dry bones, will live again. Hello. Hello. So you're going to make stuff available. Are you with me? Where you have come, begin to pray. Prayers. Of prophetic declaration over your household, over your children, over, over your, your career, over your influence in life. You know, just, just begin to pray, God, may my influence grow. Begin to pray the Jabba's prayer. Enlarge me, oh God. Extend my boundaries. Give me more territories. Are you with me? That God will, 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 will hear your prayer and God will, will perform the things that you are declaring. Because as you prophesy, you prophesy to the bones and to the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God hears those things and He begins to create opportunities. Why do you think Paul used to say to people, Pray for me? You would think He's the most sought after apostle. But He says, Pray for me that doors may open. That utterance may be given to me. Because when the saints pray, they make it available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the first thing we talked about. That's the first key. That's how we're going to get there. The second key I want to talk about today is a key that I was reminded last week as I was sat there on the keyboard playing and thinking about uh, and just worshipping God. God began to show me something. I'm sat there and I'm looking. Is it last week or the week, after, the week before? And I'm looking. No, last week I was leading worship. So last week I'm leading worship and I'm looking. And God really just dropped a few things in my spirit. 
And the first question was, do these people realize that through their generosity, I'm going to bless them? And I thought, okay, interesting question. So I went home and I was talking to my wife. You know, you know there's something we're not teaching. There's something we need to teach. There's something we're not teaching. And, and I was feeling it. But as the week goes by, now I get it. If we're going to live in this place of glory, we're going to need to open our hearts and begin to live in generosity. To whom much is given, much is required. Okay, let me put it this way. To whom much is given, much is demanded. So God, because he has brought us into this place of, of abundant glory, demands that we position our hearts in such a way that we will live generously. Somebody say generosity. generosity. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about the key of living generously. Mm. Show you the picture, the picture of a good Samaritan. The good Samaritan was walking and he found a man that had been beaten by thieves. And the Bible says the first the priest had gone by, another Levite had gone by because they were busy minding their own business. The Samaritan is called good because he was living generously. When he saw the man, I give you the picture so you understand what living generously is. When he saw the man that was beaten by everyone, oh, not by everyone, but by the robbers, left for dead, the good Samaritan stopped, the Bible says, and he began to take his resources. He took the oil. First of all, he stopped. That's time. One resource he's giving is time. And then took his oil, his own oil, which I'm sure was just for him. We don't usually start on a journey and then plan to say, oh, just in case, you know, let's get two extra spare tires in our car, just in case we meet someone. <laughs> Though this happened to us in one day, right? We were driving to London and, and, and our car... Our car had a puncture, and as we were driving, you know, the people are pointing to us, hey, your tire is gone, because I'm feeling, okay, so we stopped at the services, it was a back tire, so you couldn't feel it as much, and, and, and so we stopped at the services, and it was flat, gone, and we're looking at it, and we're going, whoa, what do we do here? We, we, so I go in the booth, I find the spare tire, but I, I don't even have everything I need to change the tire. And this guy is walking the dog, the guy we packed next to. This is how God makes it. In the services, you go and pack to the right person. Yeah, what a God. There's so many people in the services, you know. And you go and pack right next to the right person. He was walking his dog, and he, and he comes, and, and, uh, and he says, Ooh, what's happening? I'm telling him, oh, you know, we... He says, ah, oh, have you got the, 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 the spray thing? I'm, I'm like, no, I, I don't have anything. Uh, and, and he says, oh, uh, he says, hang on a second, I might have a second one in my car. So he goes back to his car, he opened, do you remember? And he opened and he says, oh, I've got this one. But I've had it for a while, I don't know whether it's expired. Try it. 
and see whether it works. Where were we going? We're dripping at the airport. Oh, we're going to Northampton. And so we, so I'm like, oh, this is, this is, let's try it. So he goes, walks his dog, and we try it. It works. He comes back to check on us at the end. Did it work? I'm like, yeah, it worked. <laughs> Thank you. He had two in his car. And you know, you, you don't really share those, right? Because when you open it, you've used it. It's done. So he had one for his car. And I don't know what the second one was doing in his car. But we passed right next to him. That's just awesome. That right next to a guy that will supply us what we need. He was a good Samaritan for us. Living generously. The heart of the good Samaritan was such that he was ready. Before you talk about the fact that he had oil, or even this guy I'm talking about, before you talk about the fact that he had two, at least he didn't just pass us. Do you know, you've probably done it before. You will, you know, that's how we live, apparently, in the Western culture. You know, somebody might be in trouble and we'll just continue with our story. We don't even think about, maybe I should stop and ask. He actually stopped. He actually talked to us. He saw we had kids where you headed to. And he actually talked to us. Then it hit him that he might have another one as he's talking to us. Living generously. He had time for people. So I'm going to talk about those things, okay? So the way the Good Samaritan had time, the Good Samaritan, and then went into his resources and started to use his oil. And then that wasn't even enough. Uh, when he did all that, he had to use his own right, the donkey. So I'm thinking he puts the guy on the donkey and he begins to walk. You know? At least we have cars. We can just put somebody in the car. And we, we're not even walking. We're just driving. We're there. You know? And the rules of England say you only give somebody a lift when they're headed in the same direction as you. <laughs> You're pretending it. That's what happens in this country. It's ridiculous. And even sometimes people are so not used to it when you offer them a lift and they say, are you headed my way? I'm like, no, I'm just offering you a lift. Because people are so used to you only give a lift when you're headed the same direction. You know, when it's convenient for you. Are you passing my way? Well, just give them a lift even if it's out of your way. It's okay. Yeah. If you can, it's okay. Just you, you get what I'm trying to say? Going an extra mile. The good Samaritan took the guy, puts him on his on his donkey. I don't know whether he, he was headed his way. You know, but he then he, he takes him to the next place, stops there, does not stop, looks for help, signposts him to a good doctor. And does not stop there. Now dips into his money and pays for this guy. And he says, uh, I'm on my way back. I'll pass here again. Huh? No, pay you. Are, are you with me? Yes. What a commitment. Now that's the picture I'm painting. Living generously. Because of the place where we have come. Into the place of his glory. We need to begin to teach our hearts 
how to live generously. To him much is given, much is required. We have been given much in the presence of God. We need to start cultivating how to live generously. Hello? Are you with me? Now turn your Bible. Let me read a few scriptures. To 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I'm going to read from verse 1 to 7. Living generously. Oh, this is going to get good. We've got about 15 minutes. Let's get, let's, get, let's get into it. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon... Are you there? When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Mark those words. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. Hmm, interesting. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. The priests took their positions. What did we say about righteousness? As did the Levites with the Lord's musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord, and which were used when he gave thanks, saying, His love endures forever. Opposite the Levites, the priests blew their trumpets, and all the Israelites were standing. I'll stop there. The picture that I want us to see from that scripture is. Solomon is praying. He has just just finished building this awesome temple that he had built for God. Years and years of building it. I can't remember how many years he spent. Is it seven years? I can't remember. But years and years of building the temple. And after he has built the temple, now he comes to dedicating it. And the Bible says he offered sacrifices. Then he, then he, he, he knelt on the altar and began to pray in the presence of all Israel. And he prays this awesome prayer which talks about God. You do not dwell in houses made by human hands. But put your name on this thing. We are okay if you just put your name on it. If people come and they pray. And he he continues and he prays this prayer. He later on continues to pray this prayer. That's why in verse 14 we begin to find if my people God is answering who are called by my name. You remember that famous scripture? So now we we picked it up on verse 1 in chapter 7. It says... When Solomon had finished praying, the glory, the fire came and filled the temple. The glory came and filled the temple. (coughs) I want you to see that prophetically. Because this is exactly the picture of what has happened to us. Mm -hmm. The glory came and filled the temple. It's like when you receive Jesus in your life, the, the glory came and filled the temple. 
It filled the temple. Now what's important to me is what happened next. The priests tried to go and do what they used to do. Minister to God. But God was like, too late. I'm already here. So they could not do what they could do before. Are you with me? That's what Andrew was teaching us last week to say, when the glory comes, when you're in the glory, most of you are thinking, what should I do now? What should I do now? No, that's not the question. Maybe the good question must be, how should I live now? How should I position my heart now? Because I'm in a new place. It's, it's like when you've been promoted and been given the, the seniority in a company or somewhere, how, it changes how you should posture yourself now. And Solomon had the quick answer for us. The Bible says he did something really, really we, we didn't expect him to do. He did something. He, then he began to give his best sacrifice. The glory has already come. You see, our generation has been taught this. To sacrifice everything until the glory comes. To go for it, go for it, go for it. Glory will come. Hmm? That's what Hollywood teaches us. That, that's what we, 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 we understand scriptures through that prism as well. Of, you know, with you, you know, you know, glory will come. What do you do when I tell you glory has come already? Positioning of your heart begins to matter. Where God has brought us is how you position your heart. So Solomon, Solomon just begins to respond by sacrifice. He takes 22,000 head of cattle. So we're not talking about sickling cattle here. We're talking about he's taking something before God. Just a quick check of that, just for interest's sake. Minimum price is about 2,000 US dollars for one of them. And it takes 22,000. <laughs> so that, 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 that's already about 40 something million, right? Yeah. What generosity is this? And if that's not enough, he, he takes 120,000 sheep. Now, the way it's written, you can read it as 120,000 sheep and 120,000 goats, or a mixture of sheep and goats, 120,000. Even then. That's over 12 million in today's money. There was some serious giving going on when the glory had come. Tells you about how the, the king's heart was a generous one. So you see, the first thing you're going to do is position your heart to live sacrificially in a sense. To say, God, I'm going to be generous to the point of sacrificially giving myself to you. This is perhaps what the Holy Spirit meant in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. When he revealed to us that we should present our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Because this now has become our reasonable act. Of worship. You get it? 
It's like this is the only worship that makes sense because of where you are now. The worship that makes sense in the New Testament, where because what God has done for us, Galatians 5 says, Behold what manner of love he has bestowed upon us. Because of what he has done, it's overwhelming. We have come into this place of glory. The only reasonable way of worship is sacrifice. Back up a little, because most of you are missing it. I will know when it lands. And you say, Pastor Phil, Pastor Phil, but, but you know, you know, we want to sing those wonderful songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I want to give my tithe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the only reasonable response in this place where we are now is sacrifice. No wonder you don't find any of the apostles demanding tithes from people. Because the only reasonable response is we expect your hope. All of you. Because of where you have come. The Apostle Paul writes about a certain, uh, I think he's in the Macedonian Christians, when he says they first gave their hearts to us and then they gave everything else they had. How shall we live in the glory? Hearts sacrificed to <laughs> I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. And I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. Oh, I am is yours. That's all I am. All I am is yours. Not just all I have is yours. That's a different statement altogether. And that's, that's an easier one to make. All I have is yours. Okay, great. But all I am. My de- the definition of me is that I am yours. A place of sacrifice. Hello. That's what he wants. If we can just begin to understand where the positioning our hearts need to take in this place of glory... Is a place of sacrifice. Let me show you another scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. This place, our response, sacrifice. We're going to sacrifice ourselves for Him. Or to him. Acts chapter 4. Let's read. Verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed. Were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say. That any of the things he possessed. Was his own. But they had all things in common. And with great power. The apostles gave witness. To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were, who were possessors of lands or houses sold them. And brought the proceeds of things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, or Barnabas, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles. Which is translated son of encouragement. 
a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now you see the picture of what I'm trying to show you. So this is a bunch of new believers. New, new, okay, it's a new church. Let's put it that way. The church is very new. The apostles have gone out and they, and they are preaching and testifying. And in Jerusalem, many people begin to gather. And they gather every day. And they hear the teachings of God. And the Holy Spirit is moving in their midst. And, and, and then, all of a sudden, these people begin to realize where they have come. They begin to realize by revelation, I believe by the Holy Spirit. They begin to realize where we are, all we are is really His. So no one begins to keep even the... You know when people reach a place where they don't consider what they own as theirs? (laughs) Amazing, right? Uh, they, they don't consider what they own as theirs. They reach a place where they say, all we are is yours, oh God. And like that, led by the Holy Spirit like that, these people begin to sell those that had lands. Those that had land began to sell their land and begin to bring everything into the house of God. Hello? Generous heart. Sacrificial living. You're going to sacrifice. That means you don't come first. God comes first. The second part of this generous heart you begin to see there. Is they are led by the Holy Spirit. Not considering their possessions as theirs. Hello. You're going to detach yourself from the things you own. Yeah? It's as simple as that. If, 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 we, if, we, if we can, if we can, you see, materialism is not really the rich people we should be looking at and saying, oh, you see, he's materialist. That's why he's rich. You know, even a poor person can be materialist. Attachment to possessions is where the problem is. Hello? <laughs> preach, Pastor, preach. I'm not saying you're not going to own houses. I'm not saying there's not going to be things in your name. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't buy your car. I'm not even saying that. But what I'm saying is, can you watch your attachment to your stuff? Mm. It's amazing, right? Your salary is not even big enough, but you're so attached to it that you can't give any part of it to anyone. But even when you keep all of it, it's not even enough. And the enemy has thrown you an illusion. And this is the illusion. One day you will have enough and then you will give. You all know it's a lie. Because what's going to happen is by the time you have a million, you you'll buy a 700,000 house. By the time you have 5 million, you live in a 4.5 million house. You will never have enough to give. It's a heart issue. Because if, if you don't change that, you will just keep enlarging your own stuff. Okay? 
By the time you have 10 million, then you're now driving three Bentleys and what, what, what. So all your money is already occupied all the time. You will never have enough to give. It's a heart issue. Hmm? Hello? You can have a private jet and be a good giver. I, you know? Amen. You, you see me when I pack mine outside. <laughs> I'll fly to church. <laughs> You can catch a lead on flight to church. Pastor has arrived. <laughs> I'll use a heli- helicopter, right? <laughs> but, so it's not about what you have. It's about your attachment to staff. I'm sure there are people who had land and their attachment, and we know they're there, as we flip to the next chapter of chapter 5 in the book of Acts, we find Ananias and Sapphira. They had land. They sold it. But their attachment was not the same as Barnabas. Whereas Barnabas came rejoicing, brought all he had, and he says, come on, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. They thought, let's do the same. They sold it, but once they had money in their hands, they discovered they were more attached to this thing than they thought. So they couldn't part with it. And here's why I'm telling you it's a thing of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching them how to live in this place. Because when they lied to Peter, Peter said, you did not lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Which means who taught them to do that? It was the Holy Spirit. You see, where we are now as Christians, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us to to open our hearts and and begin to to understand. Now, that's why sometimes it takes us through these baby steps. Give that. And and, then you're like, oh, but I love it. This is give it. And and, and, but I love this watch. And you still give it. (laughs) And I went to Tanzania. I normally usually don't, when I I travel to to Africa, I I usually don't take, like, maybe my best pair of jeans and things like that. I don't usually do that. Because, because... Because the sun hits them and they fade and all that stuff, and you bring them back here and they don't look nice. And so I don't, you know. So I usually even I don't take my best pair of these. But God has tricked me twice. Well, yeah, tricked me twice. When I went to Ghana the first time, I, I ended. I took I took the best suit I had then. And before I left, right be, that two days before I left, I met a young man, and he stood, and he says, "I want to meet you." He worked for the hotel where we were staying. He says, "I want to meet you. I want to meet you." And, and I said, okay, "Okay, okay, come, come to my room." So he came to my room, and after, I just come from preaching. I'm tired. He sits there, and and, and as soon as he sits down, God says to me, "Give him that suit." Why does hello? And it was an, a ministry issue. I didn't know all that. He worked for the hotel. He was really, and then I discovered he had a calling on his life. Well, as soon as we started talking and, and what God was about to do, and, and I got encouraged. I took the suit. I said, okay, you, you will start what God has called you. Take the suit. He says, are you sure? I said, yeah, take it. When I went to Tanzania, I'm like, it's not going to happen again. But I came back with half of what I carried in terms of clothes. I'm still missing some of my jeans. I'm like, this today when I was dressing up, I'm like, miss that jeans, man. Jesus, what is this? <laughs> but God would teach you. Okay, I'm using just petty examples here. But God would teach you through little things like that. Just teaching you, teaching you to understand. The Holy Spirit wants you to know you cannot be attached to anything. He can give you all you need, but you cannot be attached to it. Huh? What is 
holding some of the stuff that you, you, you are believing God for is just that simplicity that there's some stuff God wants you to give away and you're not doing it. Yeah? <laughs> you know? Just learning that. There was a time we, I, I was working in York and I went through such a hard time. We went through such a hard time in terms of cars in our house. And, and we couldn't function and we both needed cars and we couldn't function properly. And there was a time, there was a time I just felt God speak to me. You, you've got to start giving into this. And I'm like, how am I going to give into this? So I, so, I, so, so I think it was coming to Christmas. So I said, okay, the last money I had about 50 quid. I took 50 quid. I bought some, 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 some Tesco fuel card. And I gave it to Hotness. I sent it to him actually, because I didn't want to give it. So I sent it to him. He said, Wow, I received what you gave. Wow, I didn't expect that. I said, I know what I'm doing, just receive it. Because I was like, no, 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 you 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 got to learn to part with stuff. And you give people, and you give people, and you find God now opens up things for you. Are you with me? time we bought a car and we think we're going to sell it we, we're going to start a business with this and we're going to do this we're gonna, and God showed, showed us we need to give it away we give it away hello no one has ever given me a car until I gave mine away so you can be sat here waiting for that breakthrough to have your business work come on listen start cultivating generosity God what is it what is it that we have to start letting go and start giving up? Because there's blessing in that. He, he wants you to deal with your attachment to your stuff. God will deal with you sometimes that you reach a place where you think, no, this is too much. I, I need something that, I, I, something with my name on, please. But he knows what he's doing. He's enlarging your cause. And that's how he's bringing more people into your business. Well, you go to work and, and, and you think it's just enough to feed you and your family. And, and God is like, nah, begin to look at other people too. Mm. I'm sure Ananias and Sapphira, if we, it's, it's a pity they died. I always say this. Because an interview would have been nice. There's two people I would have wanted to interview. You know, Goliath, one. Two Ananias and Sapphira. But they both died. They all died. Because he should have brought them up and said, Mr. Mrs. Sapphira and Ananias, who started this game? Because there must have been some disagreement. Ah, you know, but we also have needs. We need to keep something for ourselves. You will Let's not be foolish here. But Barnabas gave everything. Yeah, but it's Barnabas. You know, he comes from a rich family. Let's not be foolish here. We know how hard we Let's keep some. If this thing flops, hey, what if Peter just takes off? Without money. <laughs> they must have some rational, some good argument for them to agree like, it is so my wife, it is so my husband. Except the Holy Spirit didn't agree with them. It's about the Holy Spirit. Hello? Let him deal with you. As God is speaking to you about giving and, and bless that person or giving into, into church, even this church, let the Holy Spirit lead you. He's teaching you something. 
You know, you, you can be one of those people that will give houses one day. Amen. Hallelujah. But you see, I, you've never seen a homeless person who gives houses. So do you get So it means God is going to bless you and bring you into that level where you can give houses. But if you can give houses, it means there will be houses to your name. Because he's, he's God and he's just and he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Attachment. Let's finish. Let's finish by doing Acts 10. Acts 10. Acts 10. Did you get something there? How are we going to live in this place of glory? Cultivating generous hearts. Beginning to be generous. One, agreeing to be sacrificial in our giving. Just agree. We're going we're gonna to learn to sacrifice ourselves for God. Amen? Just, it's, 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 it's just you have to agree. That means we, if we can go an extra mile. That's what sacrifice means. It's the attitude of the heart, though. It's not in what you're giving. It's your heart. Two, we're going to learn to say, Holy Spirit, work on us so that we are not unreasonably attached to the stuff that you bless us with. That we may be conduits of what you're doing. That's the another attitude of the heart. Give me something for Hadassah. You get what I'm trying to say? That's the kind of heart we should have. God, give me something that I that, let, let, let me be able to use what I have for other people. It means living open. Hmm? That's why for us it's crucial. Our homes must be open. Our cars must be available. Our time must be available. It's, that's the way it works. Generosity has to do with that. Your time must be there for others. How else are you going to make much available if you're not making yours available? There's a scripture I just want to read here. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. I will not continue that. But do you see that story? How? This is, the angel makes a very ridiculous statement. When he says, Cornelius, the way you live, your giving, the way you're devoted to this, it has become a memorial before God. Now, a memorial has to do with this third aspect. So I've said sacrificially, your attachment to stuff. And two, the third thing, it has to do with this. Consistency. Devotion and consistency. For something to be a memorial, 
it has connotations of consistency and utter devotion. Are you with me? So it looks like this. The angel is saying to him, what you have been doing, it, is, it feels certainly when you read that scripture, it's not saying Cornelius gave once. Actually, if you read further, I don't have time to read that. My time is gone. But if you read further, you find the people also gave the same testimony to Peter. They said to Peter, he is one man of right standing amongst Jews. This Cornelius. It was his culture to be generous to the things of God. Now, I can talk generally about giving everywhere, giving to the poor, giving. But Cornelius also had this culture to be generous to the things of God. And he identified he's not a Jew. He's a Roman soldier. But he identifies what God is doing amongst the Jewish people. And he begins to bless what they're doing. Are you with me? He's an extraordinary man. If you're going to look at this properly in its social, its cultural kind of context, he's an extraordinary man. He's a Roman soldier. He's, he's a centurion, which means he's got a bunch of soldiers under him. I don't know how many centurions, a thousand or so. And he's running a battalion. Yeah? And these people are occupiers. They're not even welcome. They're meant to be racist against the Jews. That's the name of the game. They're not supposed to tolerate the worship that the Jews are getting involved in. Because, you know what? You worship Caesar. So Cornelius is swimming against the tide. This guy is, is, is exceptional in the fact that he is so devoted. He has identified the God of the Jews. He believes in their God. And he goes supporting their synagogues. He goes giving to their poor. He's making everything available for them. And therefore God in heaven, God, took notice. Hmm. There is something about a consistent giver. Your generosity must catch this third thing. Consistency. It's a culture. Hmm? Hello? It's a culture. You build it in your system, in your house. It's a culture. You, 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 you are givers. Be known as people who give. Hear me. Whatever salary band scale you hit, you should always have consistency as a person that knows how to bless what God is doing. Now, tithing isn't everything, but this is why when you have a right heart, tithing is a good way of learning to be generous. Because it keeps you consistent at whatever level. When you have 10 pounds, and when you have 1,000 pounds, and when you have 100,000 pounds. It keeps you consistent. But I don't teach tithing according to the law, if you've noticed in this church. But let, let, let the Holy Spirit bring you into a place where, Holy Spirit, I want to be consistent in my blessing of what you're doing. 
I want to have consistency financially. I want to have consistency in giving my time. That's why the little things like, okay, we're going to do two hours lots of prayer hub. We're going to do this. We're gonna... It helps your consistency in giving what you have. It, you know, it, it's not legalism. It just helps. Because then you can consistently say, I'm devoting two hours of prayer every week to corporate prayer. They're assembling together and praying together. So you can say that and it becomes consistent for you. It's like putting the car on cruise control. It helps. Consistency. Tithing would help consistency. Things like that, they will help you to be consistent. Preach, pastor, preach. Preach, pastor, preach. And some Christians won't tithe until you tell them, it's, 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 you know, you're robbing God. You're robbing God. If that's the reason you give, then keep your tithe. It's, it's not good enough. You've come into a covenant where things have been made available. The glory is overflowing around you. The only reasonable response is sacrifice. God, everything I have is yours. I will be generous. Let's stand up and finish. Everything I have is yours. So may God help you and help me to live in this place in generosity.